uh, Mr. Hodges. We are officially started now that we have our official Facebook live streaming, right? Wait, wait. I, I don't think we're officially started. <laughs> right. We are not. Yeah, right. We weren't officially started. I do apologize. How dare I start such an event without? Now we're ready and, to go. You know what? Never, never show up. Never show up your host ever. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the, mo the world's most interesting uh, podcast guest right here. Yeah, we can hear you. Let's see. Steve is saying, can you hear us? No. Good, Steve. We don't want to hear you. Finn oh, Finn and Steve say hi. Hi, Mr. Buddy. Hi, Steve. Cinco de Mayo, everybody. Mm. Um, you know, this would have been, you've got some good cheap Mexican. You got, what do you got? You got some Mexican music for us, right? Oh, I do, but you know what? I can't play. I don't know if it, let me see if I can play now. Here we go. Let's put that back on. <laughs> Daddy Yankee. Oops. Fantastic. There we go. This will be. <laughs> this is our new official. official All right. All right. That's our now new official. Oh, there we go. To the Cinco de Mayo. Hey, happy Cinco de Mayo, Mr. Hodges. Happy Cinco de Mayo to you, thank Mr. You, thank you for doing. Thank you for doing the show. Thank you for doing my little humble, my little show here. And um, I was thinking about who would I invite. I saw this out a month out, and I said, who can I invite for Cinco de Mayo? There's only a short list of people. <laughs> it's a short list of people, okay, that uh, that I think could actually um, uh, hold down this this show on Cinco de Mayo, right? So you you were right there, and. Um, and uh, so thank you. And for tonight, so we are, we're going to get into it, man. We're going to get into your whole, your ridiculous, you know, looking at you in that outfit, I, I just can't, <laughs> I'll try to take you serious, but it's, it's going to be a challenge. All right. I was about to say, you're, you're incredible I'm, entrepreneurial. I'm take off in a minute because it's like leaning, it's heavy. <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. Um, we probably have a lot of people out there watching and we want to um, not hold up things a little bit. So with that, Mr. Joe, I'm going to read off the bio on my amazing guest tonight. So, Joe, you and I have known each other for a lot of years, but I'm still going to read this, this uh, bio off for you, right? So, Joe Hodges is an entrepreneur who has created, grown, and sold companies across the United States. Historically, he was founder and president of AmeriClaim Solutions and Anetico. His most recent accomplishment is a new venture called Care Valet aimed at solving the consumer healthcare access maze, like, you know, like the maze of healthcare, right? As an industry pioneer in the healthcare field, Joe is mixed on creating, he's fixed, sorry, he's fixed. Wow, the beer's already started. He's fixed on creating viable consumer and industry solutions, as well as mentoring next generation of entrepreneurial leaders. That's what we're here tonight for. We're going to try to inspire and give some guidance and input for future aspiring entrepreneurs. Among other accomplishments, Joe received his doctorate. Here's the cool part. This is actually just a few months old. So Joe received his doctorate in business administration from the University of South Florida. Whoop, whoop, whoop. That's that's incredible. And completed a BS. Yeah, that's the thing. Go Bulls. And now um, now Sir Dr. Hodges has uh, also completed prior a BS in health education and public health at Florida State University. Uh, he keeps his head where my daughter graduated. He keeps his education alive by attending forward thinking programs like Singularity University's Exponential Medicine and Executive Programs. Joe presently serves on the board of the Tampa Bay Wave, where we get to see each other a lot, 
and has served on the board of MOSI, that's the Museum of Science and Industry here in Tampa Bay area, and is knighted into the Order of Salvador at the Dali Museum. A lot of people may or may not know that. We've got the Salvador Dali Museum uh, right here in St. Petersburg, Florida in the, in the Tampa Bay area, and it's absolutely incredible. And um, so I think that uh, people should definitely come see that. Wouldn't you agree, the, the Dali Museum? Absolutely. I, you know, let me tell you, it, 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 if you've never been, it's an amazing experience. And if you really want to learn about an artist, it's probably one of the best places to go to learn a complete history of not just the art of the artist, but of the life history of the artist. It's yeah. such an amazing place to be. So, you know, I, re I recommend getting there as soon as you can. And, and I recommend going to some of their parties because they're out of the world. It's surreal. <laughs> As you know, as Mr. Dolly would have liked it, right? Of as course. he would have, as he would have insisted. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, that man, that man lived a very full and interesting life. Oh no, no! I tell you, I mean, when when you look at, at at how his life came together, it's pretty fascinating. From childhood and then into adulthood, and when he met his wife uh, Gala, which is is a really cool story. She actually was the business brains behind the artist. And it's amazing when you see that collaboration in a relationship that fosters the growth of two people, the work that came out of that alone, besides just the business that came out of that. Yeah. But the work that came out of that and the life legacy that came out of that is something we all aspire to. We'd all love to be a Dolly in our own, you know, That's right. way of life, you know? And so. her name was what? Gala. Go Gollum. Okay. We all need our own Gollum in our life too. We all, we all need a gala. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You'll drink to that. Um, mm -hmm. Hey, hey uh, Joe, while we're uh, advocating Tampa Bay, we, so we touched on Dolly in St. Petersburg, but talk about the tech ecosystem in Tampa Bay, specifically starting with the Tampa Bay wave for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's really interesting. Um, when we go and we take a look, a look around where we were just a decade ago, you know, there was really nothing to speak of from uh, uh, the tech community and the wave, um, you know, which formulated an idea from Linda Olson and a group of tech entrepreneurs that said, hey, we we need to pull something together to, to harness this level of growth that's happening in our economy, and our world. And um, and they formed the Tampa Bay Wave, which is a yeah. is a nonprofit. It's the only nonprofit accelerator uh, right. in the area. Um, and uh, as far as I know, and yeah. it's. Their goal is to grow and to build these businesses and not just the businesses, but to really foster the personal growth in the individual entrepreneur. Yeah. And uh, it, it's amazing to see what has already come out. I'm going to say amazing a lot because it's one of my favorite words, but it's it's <laughs> interesting to yeah. see what's come out of the community. And right. uh, you know, a lot of people don't know that Wikipedia started in in. The That's right. St. Petersburg, another yeah, another another amazing nonprofit. Um, ultimately, that's right. And uh, but we've we've got these other we've got several. Um, Tampa Bay has got you know it's, several accelerators have uh, sprung up along the way, alongside the wave over the years, and now it's just a great city to start a company, especially if it's tech enabled. But really, any city. We know this was basically the the birth of restaurant. This was restaurant city for a long time, right? With uh, the Outback Steakhouse and all of that started here. Um, so entrepreneurship runs deep in this town. And then with now with the tech community, um, you mentioned Wikipedia. People don't realize some of the really cool things that were started here in Tampa Bay. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? There's a lot more coming down the pipe too. It's, That's uh, right. A little company are, called a little company called Care Valet we'll talk about in a minute. <laughs> so, I, hey, I want to, uh, that's right. Branding placement, right? That's right. Um, hey, briefly, um, I want to uh, talk about, briefly just want to uh, um, share and talk about our um, sponsor briefly. And um, give me one second. And I think this will do it. And so, Joe, are you able to see my screen, Executive Launch? I, I am. All right, I fantastic. Am. So this is our sponsor for the podcast this week, and this is Executive Launch. And so this is their website. And ultimately, this is really um, a, a startup uh, consultancy advisory team that helps executives that have risen the ranks in their companies and in their industry um, to learn their industry and learn all the ins and outs and have like proven themselves as a rising manager and executive. But guess what? They're always working for somebody else uh, and they're all, and, and they've never gotten a chance to really step out and build and create something for themselves. A little bit like your story today, Joe, in terms of going out and creating a, a very valuable, valuable company um, in your industry uh, based on your know-how and, and then being able to like have, to be able to create the wealth and freedom that comes with kind of the end of the, uh, the, you know, the end of the goal for an entrepreneur. And that's what uh, Executive Launch does. It helps, it helps executives and companies put their plan together, understand all the things that go into the startup game, as I like to say it, from capital raise to minimum viable products to lean, uh, lean build, like building something inside of a corporation is very different than building something uh, outside of a corporation uh, as a startup, right? It's very different. And most executives don't uh, know that they've been very successful at the corporate game, but this group here helps you get very good at the startup game. So they come in and help you with all components of your of putting your startup plan together and ultimately get your your dream off the ground and, and frankly change the uh, the trajectory um, of your entire life and your family if you're able to pull it off. Right. And um, and speaking of that, Joe, I wrote a little book on this very topic, I think. Right. Uh, you, you did. You did. I think it might be called something like quit to start. Really yeah. cool. Right. I, it was a little something like that. And uh, let me end the sharing. We'll come back to this. Yeah. So I, I should probably um, and I think you you read this book, right? I, yeah, I got up at four in the morning one morning and uh, and it was which is not like me. I wake up at nine or eleven and uh but uh, I woke up at 4 a.m. and, and uh, picked up your book and started going through it. And it's funny, I, I've spent the last week reading it. Not only did I go through and read it, but I started highlighting it. And then I started putting sticky notes in all these places. And, and it was amazing. There were, there were so many personal things that connected us in the book, which, which you know, a lot of you don't know that you know, Alan, Alan's from Savannah, Georgia, and his dad is. And my dad was born and raised in Savannah, Georgia. And right. you share a story about your dad in there that yeah. literally touched my heart like you have no idea oh, man. And, and brought me back to my relationship with my dad and uh, and and the entrepreneurship skills I learned from him and from my mom and and uh, but be beautiful book and uh, and you really such a good starting point for someone who's trying to make the decision of am I ready to take this leap and, yeah. and just what do I do? Appreciate that, Joe. And you know what? I've not had anybody plug my book. I've been doing this six weeks and dozens of guests and 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 you asked me if you could do it actually on our pre-call today and I didn't even bring it up so I thank you for that and this is where I get to hold up the cover right yeah. <laughs> so and you mentioned a beautiful book I had my sister design this cover 
So, um, so anyway, so it kind of, it's available on Amazon. Is that right? That's right. It's available on Amazon. We need this podcast right now to go do that. They should wait till after. And then that's right. (laughs) And, um, are we, um, I'm getting a note. I want to make sure that we are, oh man, you know what? I just realized we may not have been, okay. Hopefully, uh, we were, we were full screen a few minutes ago. I think we were, uh, once again, now that we're on the bigger screen, right. The book on Amazon is moving across. Okay. So, so Joe, thank you for that. And uh, I really appreciated when you texted me about a week ago in a picture and you said, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm really loving your book and it means a lot. I get those once in a while and it really, it's really cool. So thank you. Um, but anyway, that's what executive starts about. It helps, helps folks uh, plan their start so they can, they can uh, make that big escape as we like to say. All right, Joe, with that, um, I want to get into your story a little bit, sir, and where we're going to go with this ultimately. So everybody knows is so joe you know for people who don't know joe like everybody else in their teens and their 20s struggled through a lot of things but ultimately he built a a, a great he built a company took the big leap built a company that became very valuable and he sold it for millions of dollars a few years ago millions as in plural a few years ago and changed the the, his entire life and he's going to talk about that shortly but i wanted to give everybody a feel for where we're going we're going to talk through your story uh, how that came to be, what it was like to build that, what it was like to sell it, and then what you went, what you did after that, and then what you kind of what you're doing now, and then ultimately where we want to go is is then you know in that story we're going to share a lot of things that aspiring entrepreneurs and even early entrepreneurs are going to glean a lot out of your story I think, but also we want to look back and say okay what is the big the big advice pieces of advice that Joe Hodges would give to somebody. Um, that is thinking about this this kind of a journey in the future. So um, let's start here, Joe. Okay, so uh, wait a minute. This thing started in a, as a dishwasher in a, in a Augusta, Georgia. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I tell you, when I would- but when at I, the, uh, Wait a minute. In Augusta, okay, there happens to be the most famous golf course in the world in Augusta, Georgia. You were a dishwasher uh, at a country club in Georgia. I mean, okay. you were a dishwasher at a country club in Augusta. Not, not, not at the Augusta National. Although maybe as I get old and my brain, you know, loses a few uh, cells, I'll change the story to say I, that's where I was working at ten years old. <laughs> but, but it was funny. I'll, I'll never forget. I, I wanted to work as long as I could remember. I wanted to make money, and I begged my mom to take me to get a work permit. I found out that you know, at ten years old, you were allowed to work in the state of Georgia, but you just had to have a work permit. So my mom took me downtown, and we went to the Social Security office. Um, had got my social security card, got my work permit, and uh, I went and applied to be a dishwasher at Westlake Country Club, and they hired me. And um, my sister Mary worked in the accounting office, and she told me it was so funny to come back into the kitchen and to see everybody working there. And then there was the dishwasher rack, and all you'd see is these two little hands come up and grab the the you know uh, glass tray to bring it down after it was full and put it into the uh, into the dishwasher. And she said, you didn't see a head, all you saw were these little arms coming out. And, uh, but that's, that, that was literally my, my first official job. And it was a really cool job. I was, I was fortunate that they let me do it. Did your, uh, your parents didn't really push you on this? You, you wanted to work, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, my, my parents were entrepreneurs in their own respect. So there was a really strong work ethic. You know, I'm, I'm one of eight kids. And I come from a family of very type A driven people. And yeah. everybody has their own thing that they really enjoy doing. And, and um, you know, it's, this, this was the start to my thing. 
I had no idea where it would take me, but it was, uh, it was pretty awesome. Was your motivation uh, spending money or maybe, or is it something else impressing your, your parents or just spending money or just being more grown up or what was it? Yeah. Well, no, it, it, I, I, my mother took my paychecks and put it into my savings account uh, at Augusta <laughs> National Bank. And, uh, Augusta and, National Bank. Augusta <laughs> National Bank. And uh, so I, I didn't have access to that until I got into high school. And I only got access to it because I went into my mother's filing cabinet and stole my checkbook from her and went and started making withdrawals. <laughs> so, right. So you basically, it was basically ch- child labor uh, that was going on there. Okay. So next- was my own account, you know, she kept everything I earned in there, but, uh, All but right. I started spending so it. In high next thing you end up uh, at the, at the, um, okay. So you moved from Augusta, Augusta, Georgia, you end up moving to, to Clearwater, Tampa Bay yeah. area um, and, and started your new life here. And you, um, took a, a job at the, at the mall, right? Well, this is while you're coming up through middle school, high school area. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, when, actually when I was in seventh and eighth grade, uh, I went to work, there was a girl in my class named Lori Herta and Lori's dad owned a steakhouse called Herta Steakhouse. And I went and applied there and started doing dishes. And then I started doing dishes and became a bus boy and learned the trade and the skill. It was also during the time of disco and they had a little disco in there. So at night after work, we could go dance and have a lot of fun. And uh, it, How it old was, are you, Joe? <laughs> I, well, I, you know, it, it, we were dancing on the nights when the bar wasn't open. So <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, disco, man, come on. Hey, it's it, actually disco went into the 80s, believe it or not. Yeah, so it was the early 80s. It was, uh, it was still happening. Then we slowly had that transition into some really cool 80s punk. <laughs> okay, so you got the job at the mall, and um, well, no, I, I heard a steakhouse. That wasn't at the mall. It was next. Okay, to the mall. I heard a steakhouse. Yeah, got I, it. I went to the mall after that. I um, I jumped in in my early teens into uh, Tater Junction and Musicland, where I worked for my high school career. You know, there and had a, it. It was really a neat experience. You know, to yeah. kind of take that on, and that's when I started making a little more money, putting it away. I had some fun spending cash, but. You know, while a lot of people were playing sports, I didn't play too many sports um, and, until my junior and senior year of high school. I started wrestling and then I started lifting weights and, and found that. But yeah. um, but I like to work. That was my thing. Got it. I OK, know. so I like to work. So, yeah, you'd like to work. I mean, so that's a, that's a kind of a bit of a of a giveaway to your 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 future. Right. A little bit. So you ended up you uh, got accepted into the Florida State University in Tallahassee. So you checked it up there for uh, your, your college education. And let me guess, you started working there as well. Yeah, uh, I did. Well, it, to be honest, I, I didn't quite make it into Florida State University right off. I got there eventually. I um, had a 1.42 grade point average in high school <laughs> and uh, I got kicked out twice and um, ended up having to graduate from the public school. So uh, after I kind of got my stuff in order, I went to St. Pete Junior College and then to Tallahassee Community College and didn't do well there until um, I started having a lot of fun. And yeah, what was the problem, Joe? Too much fun? It was fun. It was, you know, I, I, I was, I'm a social being and I, I like being social and I liked working. I was waiting tables and everything, but yeah. then I started publishing a magazine in college and then that's really when the entrepreneurship, you know, trigger. Now, wait really. a minute. Where, where, where did, how does someone come about just publishing a magazine? So wait a minute, that, slow that down. Where, how did that happen? 
Yeah. So, so in Tallahassee, when I was there, I, I was working at a gym called Wood yeah. uh, Fitness Center. Is this where you met Linda? Our- at, at Linda Olson, who is founded the Tampa Bay Wave, worked at this gym with me. She was doing accounting. I was teaching aerobics and doing some personal training. <laughs> and uh, and so that's right. So we, we met there. And um, But while I was working there, a girl came in to work out one day named Tara Breeze. And she told me, I saw this magazine, Shout Magazine, around the campus. It was really cool. And she was selling advertising. And she said, hey, why don't you come work with us and sell some advertising? This is how much you can make. And I said, like, sure, I'll do it. So I went out and I started selling advertising. And the next thing you know, they were like, well, we're going to open up other campuses with this magazine. Why don't we make you the publisher and editor? You build the content, you sell the ads, you do the work. And um, and we're going to go off and get these going. So I got that going. It became very profitable. And then I was off to uh, South Carolina um, to uh, start one at Columbia, South Carolina and back to Tallahassee again. And, uh, you know, kept that going. It was cool. So this is one of the things that you we oft, we see kind of recurring with entrepreneurs, don't we? And we know is this idea of sales. And, and so this this correlates. Um, this always correlates very well between uh, young people that are able to take some type of a sales job or even excel at it, whether they're really good at it or not, but they're willing to put themselves into a sales situation. Almost what is one of the best things that correlates to a future uh, successful entrepreneur, right? So if you can like learning to sell, either having it naturally or then improving upon it or learning to do it, if you don't think it seems to be the thing that, that really unlocks entrepreneurship later. Do you feel that way? Yeah, you know, well, the core to the success of any business is the sale. The long-term success to any business is the ability to provide what you promised and to exceed what you promised. And that's really when it comes down to entrepreneurship, it's being able to balance those things so that you bring the clients on and then you give them not just what they're asking for, but greater than what they're asking for in the end. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's that's the focus. And, and that's what really, based, in my opinion, is the core of what makes a true entrepreneur, somebody who understands how to balance that. And it doesn't mean that entrepreneur has to be all those things. Mm-hmm. Just being they grow their team, they have to balance out their deficits by hiring those people that really yeah. can help improve and, and maintain those roles. Right. So so you were but you were selling. You were out huffing and selling advertising. Yeah, I, I was. I was doing that, and then at night I would get back, and we would we would drink and uh, and and stick, you know, take pictures and put glue on them and stick them on the press plates, and you bring it over to the Tallahassee Democrats so they could make the steel plates out of it and then run them. At, we'd be there all night long for the run, and when they got done at four in the morning, we'd be loaded in the back of our truck, dropping them off at different places, and uh, it was it was a hell of a time. And then you'd sleep for a few hours and you know, <laughs> get so, back up. So. Yeah. So uh, you, but you were door knocking on doors for this, right? Absolutely. Knocking Absolutely. on doors. Hey, some, we've got a couple of folks here on the, uh, on the Facebook live that are, is in, they're insisting upon a shout out, I think. Right. I don't know if you have Facebook. Yeah, live. Uh, so Angela Macias is watching with us. And, and so I have to tell you, so Angela, this is a really neat story. When I was uh, publishing shout in Tallahassee, Angela worked for, uh, for an accountant in Gainesville and our books were not good. Now I didn't have anything to do with the books, <laughs> but she did. Well, I suppose like our collections were not good. I sold a lot, but I was the crappiest collector of all. So here's the typical classic entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Here's a 16 year old girl, Angela Macias, who 
is calling my clients and telling them to send them a check. And they better, they better send a check or their advertisement's going to be chucked out of the, the magazine. So my clients are calling me and say, hey, there's this mean lady threatening us. And I find out it's this 16-year-old girl that's full of something in vinegar. And, she, and, uh, and so it ended up when she got graduated from high school, she came to Tallahassee and we co-published Shout together. And we became best friends out of that. And, and to this day, she's a lawyer now, believe it or not. And, wow. uh, She's an amazing attorney and she, but she is, she's very operationally minded and, um, and very smart and she knows how to collect the dollar. I'll tell you that. Well, she's she, at any well, yeah, she, she's here tonight. Uh, she's, she's, she's watching your every move. So I hope you're, you know, you've got your act together tonight. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think attorneys play around and she knows where all your bodies are buried and your skeletons are hidden. Right. Does she? Yeah. Sadly, yes. Nobody reach out to her, please. Just <laughs> stay away from her. I have a feeling there's some truth in that statement. Um, okay, so uh, next up, okay, the magazine at Florida State. You're in Tallahassee with the magazine, um, and then you did the personal training. Uh, talk about that. How this went into the personal training business. Yeah. So, um, uh, so, you know, working at the gym, I, I started a little personal training company. As we're talking here, I'm going to open another beer. If that's there. Right. You go. Yeah, get ahead of me. I'm the I'm the host. I can't drink as much, so or as quickly. Yeah. And I don't have a bottle opener, so I'm yeah. using this trusty clipboard as a bottle opener. <laughs> I'm hoping that, <laughs> this, hoping that I'm is, this is oh my god, this is okay. <laughs> All right, it, it worked. <laughs> this is this is a perfect Cinco de Mayo episode. I love this so hey, far. Listen, if, if, I'm just, I'm just going to say we'll we'll get back to our important stuff. But the more important thing is I hope everybody is enjoying a cocktail with us. I hope yes. that you got a Corona with you, and if not, I hope you got a margarita or some tequila because, hey, it's fiesta time. You know what? It should be, be cool if, if somebody. You know what? I, love to, like, uh, I wonder if like if, if folks can uh, throw some emojis out here because they're kind of fun when you do emojis on the Facebook Live. I've, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I just that's pretty cool. So if you guys could throw some emojis, I'd love to see that. Like. Uh, Always wanted to see that on Facebook Live. Like yeah, and some wows and some laughter. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was, you know, I, I, I was not sure about you were able to pull the lid off of that bottle. So I'm glad you pulled it off. Okay. Oh, so yeah. hey, thanks for those. Here off. they come. Hey, Ahmad. Hey, Ahmad is watching. Talk Ahmad. about a sharp. Talk hey, about Ahmad. a sharp. A sharp young man Whoa. going somewhere, right? No doubt. Right. I, I like to think Ahmad is like a young me. He yeah. is. He is this kid just full of energy who is just forging ahead. And, uh, you know, it, it, if you're thinking about entrepreneurship, reach out to somebody who's a mentor and even a peer and just watch what they do. Uh, Ahmad is nonstop. I, I don't think he's looked back yet. He's just going for it. And two things to more, to your point, like he watches, like he, you put him in a room with, uh, like somebody who's been successful. He doesn't say a word hardly. He watches. He's just such an observer. What, I mean, what an incredible student, if you will. Right. Meanwhile, he's been a successful entrepreneur since he was like 15 years old, like since he was in high school. So he's, he's got his almost as many, uh, credential entrepreneurship credentials as the people that are, that he, that he, you know, uh, recruits to be a mentor to him. Uh, number one and number two, he's kind of just in it to win it, right? Like this, he's just not gonna stop until he comes out on top with the other side, right? Yeah, no. I let me let me tell you, I, I feel like it's funny when you get out to where I am and you've had some success, 
and you look at these young people that are forging into the world of entrepreneurship and, and doing it well and being successful, I just feel like I'm looking behind me and they're, they're, they're I'm, catching. I'm, I'm now the old guy on the racetrack, you know, <laughs> I'm Dale Earnhardt and all of these young guys are out there just trying to bump me off the track. I feel like I got to go faster and better, so, but I love it because it kicks up that adrenaline and makes me realize, right. Hey, I, I better keep moving here. Otherwise you're, I'm not going to be setting the example anymore. I'm going to be talking about where I was. You're, you're one of those entrepreneurs that will mentor to a, to a point, but you won't give away all your secrets because you, you got, you still are, you're still so competitive, basically a super competitive person. So you just, it's not possible for you. Don't, don't buy me too many of these or, or, or I just want <laughs> Okay. So let's pick up, let's pick back this story up. So this personal training business, okay. Was that in Florida, was that in Tallahassee, Florida state? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was in Tallahassee. I had um, eight trainers that ended up working for me. So I was also waiting tables at the time. I was publishing Shout at the time, and I was going to school very poorly at the time. Um, and uh, uh, But I, I was having a blast. So I was training at several different clubs. Um, I was selling Shout, and I ran across, I went to a, a, a club that was an aerobics club called Body Electric. And I met this amazing woman named Margaret Richard, who had her own TV show called Body Electric on PBS. And it was I've showing video. 200 TV stations across the United States and Canada and internationally. And uh, she found out that I worked at the fitness center and that I had taught, I taught uh, ab classes. That's, I, that was my extent of aerobics. I really didn't teach much more than that. I couldn't, I, didn't, I, I could dance a little bit. I didn't have the great coordination like some people. So I taught more strength training aerobics classes. And she asked me one Saturday when I was trying to sell an ad, if I would come in and work out with her class with her. And I get in and there's 40 women in this classroom that are all gorgeous. And she asked me right in the middle of class, she goes, hey, everybody, Joe works over at Westwood Fitness and he teaches an ad class. Why don't we have him come up and lead the class for us for a little bit? What do you think? And all the girls are like, yeah. So I go and I start leading this class and I get done with the song, you know, and she says, come sit here next to me for a minute. And I felt like I was being interviewed right on her, her stage. And she, she said, so ladies, what did you think of him? And they were like, yeah, yeah. Really. And she goes, good. She goes, this was your audition for my show. I'd like you to be on my, uh, my TV show with me. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so I ended up on Body Electric and I did that for eight years, over eight different seasons. And it was really a, a terrific time. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen the videos and they're quite <laughs> epic quite epic so uh yeah, I'm not gonna, yeah we're not gonna do it. okay so let's 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 accelerate the story a little bit so Joe, she's streaming again by the way and they're excellent to this day if you're stuck at home and you're all coveted up in quarantine by the way if she's got a new streaming um uh sort of podcast that she does with the old shows which has amazing 80s and 90s music in it i recommend you this know is the same woman this is the Mark same woman Wow. Margaret Richard and it's Body Electric. If you go to bodyelectric.com, okay. I believe. All um, right. And you'll find those podcasts. So I remember when you came and spoke to my class, Joe. Um, after college, you 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 hit a you hit a you bounced between a couple of jobs. You were uh, I don't know if we're gonna get right to that medical um, position, but what's next? What do you want to hit on next that you think is relevant leading up to this story here? Oh, well, I mean, so much went on. And then, you know, obviously after college is when the reality hits. It, it was funny. I, I love to tell the story. I thought I was going to make a ton of money after college and I was going to get hired by a great company and, 
And I ended up going to work for a nursing home chain as an admissions coordinator. That's what I remember. And I got paid 19500 a year was my starting salary. And I, I thought for sure back in, you know, 19, what was it, 1994, that I was going to be offered um, $35,000. I was like, yeah, 35, that's going to be, that's going to be how much I'm going to make. And, um, but it, 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 it didn't happen that way. But I got in there and I found out that the nursing home had never filled their beds to capacity. And it was, there were 144 beds in this building Mm -hmm. and they only had 128 people in in the nursing home. So I told the administrator, I said, look, if I can fill the beds in 30 days, will you pay me 35,000 a year? And he said, yes. And so what do you think I did? You made that happen. You made that happen. In 30 days. And, uh, and then who was mad at me? All the nurses. (laughs) <laughs> and because what I did not understand at the time was case mix. And mm-hmm. I brought in some fairly complicated cases that were really tough on the nurses on all, all three shifts. And yeah. I began to learn a lot of different things. And, and so it was a really fascinating story. You know, some details around how tough it got for me yep. in there. I learned some life lessons there. Yep. And I learned that when you do that, you put people's lives at risk. And, yep. and you have to take a look at, hard look at yourself at that point and ask who owns that responsibility. And, and I did, I did. I, I took 100% of the responsibility, even though the administrator approved who came in, these were the people I was bringing. And, so, uh, so sometimes sales can outstrip delivery if you're, if you're not careful. And absolutely. you have to be careful with, you mentioned it earlier, you said it earlier on the front, you said it's, it's sales are important, but what's also important is delivering on the promise to the customer, right? And that's absolutely. where, um, if, if you let sales outstrip delivery, you can put your business in trouble quickly. You can put yourself out of business with too much sales. You, you Absolutely. And, and here's the more important thing in healthcare. If you want to be that, if you are determined to be that good at sales without considering the lives that you're putting at risk, you could literally be putting someone's life at risk yeah. and yeah. cause harm to them or even death. And, yeah. and you don't, you don't want to be there. So you want to learn, you want to hear and listen and and take every opportunity you can to figure out, hey, how how can I best succeed in this role? How can I best help the company that I'm working with succeed in the long term of this role? Because that's ultimately where the greatest benefit to you is going to come if you have that level of understanding. Yeah. uh, so how did how did you end up leaving there? There was uh, I remember I know there's a part of the story coming where um, you had an owner that uh, really um, you know really got really mishandled the situation. But I think that's the next venture after this one, isn't it? You had a yeah, I'm trying to remember which one was the one that you parted ways that that really kind of uh, yeah. that almost you tried to. Uh, kind of, uh, I think, tried to sue you at some point, right? But I'm, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead too fast. How did you leave yeah, the, the nursing yeah, home? You're way ahead, but no, no, I, I didn't have any any suits. Um, uh, but what, but what did happen was, I, I after the nursing home um, industry, I went to work uh, for a third party administrator, which yeah. is, if you can imagine, um, employer groups, you know, restaurants, mm-hmm. companies, businesses, you know, they can either buy a traditional healthcare plan, you know, like a Blue Cross or United mm-hmm. or Aetna. We call them the Bucas. Um, and or they can go self-funded. And yeah. if you go self-funded, um, then 
you can pay all of the claims that your employees have coming in, but you buy a reinsurance policy and you have a third party administrator that puts these plans together for you. So it's yeah. like as an employer, you're offering your own personal health plan to your employees, which is yep. amazing and, and wonderful thing to do. And there's great companies out there today, like Diversified Benefit Administrators in Georgia, that do such an incredible job of, of building these plans for employers. But right. I went to work for one of those for about eight months. And I realized that what I was doing was I was selling um, out of network negotiations to these groups. Um, and building a network for these groups. And, uh, and I loved doing that, I was having fun. And, and I realized that inside this TPA, we started making so much money doing this with very little overhead. I was like, why on earth are we just doing it here at this TPA? Why don't we start selling this product to other third-party administrators? And I went to the owner of the company and, and he told me he didn't want to, and I didn't know at the time, but make this long story short, that he was selling the company. We're actually within weeks of me having conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got and, it. And I gave my two weeks notice. And and after I, I shared that with him, he said, you know what, it's a good idea. You should go do it. And I did. And when I took off, I, I was I got my first company started. I was afraid to do it on my own, even though I knew everything to do. And I went into business um, with, with a guy who was an attorney and we got the business started. But we as the business grew over three years, we, we had very different priorities about where the business should be. Yeah. And I realized that this was not, it, it was not the right business partner for me to have where I really wanted to go because at this time, now this was, you know, 1998 and getting into 2000 where technology was really expanding and growing. The internet became something that everybody had on their computer. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, I saw opportunities to leverage this in the type of business we were doing. And, and my business partner at the time was more conservative and traditional the way he wanted to operate. And so I, I wanted to part ways and he did not, and it got a little rough. And I decided that I was in so much pain knowing where I wanted to be and feeling stuck where I was, that the best option for me was to do what a lot of people would have called failure, but it was to step back and sell the company to him, which it was really not much of a sale. It was, I would, and to be honest, I would have taken a dollar if that's what he offered me because I, I just, I was miserable. So and, Joe, this is, I'm so glad you're telling this part of the story because the, the reason, again, the purpose, there's so many, so many uh, young people and middle, middle career people that get in these situations, especially if you're a high achiever or if you're the number one salesperson, I've got so many friends who end up starting companies because they rose the ranks uh, to the near the top, near close, closer to the owner than they ever expected to be, so to speak. And a lot of times it was as either the top salesperson or the best manager or so forth in a small or mid-sized company. Um, and a lot of times there's um, the closer you get to the to the to the top. And the, then, and also, the closer you get to say ownership, the more the philosophical differences uh, either have to align or not align. And um, I'm glad you're telling this because there's people I guarantee there's people out there right now that are struggling with something like that. And it a lot of times is the impetus for uh, parting ways that ultimately opens the door to something uh, better. And I've got so many stories of, of friends that. That, that ended up in entrepreneurship because of stories like this. They didn't plan to be entrepreneurs a lot of times. They just ended up in this philosophical impasse with the uh, owner or partner. 
Yeah. You know, it's, I have to say it was, um, having that experience was really, really tough. Um, because I will tell you, I, I, I love this business partner. I thought he was an amazing person. I, 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 I loved the time that we spent together because we had a lot of fun when we went out and did things, but we, we were not aligned and having to end that business partnership was really painful. Um, but something that was necessary. And sometimes we have to go against all of the things that are ingrained in us. Like I'm, I, I don't like conflict. You know, I don't know anyone that really loves it, you know, but, um, I know a few people. Yeah, well, true. They're usually attorneys, but you know, we don't nothing. We won't say anything about Angela <laughs> Macias out there. But, but, hey, but, if you love conflict, uh, hit an emoji real quick on the Facebook Live. <laughs> you know, yeah, let's see some conflict emojis. Um, hey, where are you at? <laughs> I was going to name a name, and I won't do it. Go ahead. <laughs> but but you know, but uh, you know, kind kind of looking back at this, and I and, and um. I want to grab where I was here. No, but conflict. Yeah. Conflict and, and being in close and tight with a partner that you may get along with on one level, but not aligned from a business perspective. I had to end that business partnership and it hurt. And, you know, I, I was in pain about it, um, but I was in more pain until it happened. And then I was in depression after it happened. Um, but, uh, but it took a little while for me to recover. As a matter of fact, the two year non-compete period that I had by selling it to him was a recovery period that forced me to come back better. I had to literally, you know, pick up my bootstraps, tie my shoes again. You know, um, I was actually depressed. And, um, and so it took me a little while to do it. And I had a couple of amazing things that came out of that. One, my roommate at the time was going to RN school and, uh, um, and he's a doctor now. And, but he's the one that recognized that I was depressed. And he told me, you need to get out of the house you need to move forward. You need to grab onto something and go. And he encouraged me to make that happen. At the same time, this is when I met a friend of mine named Aaron Kessinger, who um, worked for Humana at the time. And he convinced me to apply for a job at Humana. And he said, look, come here and work. Learn how the carriers operate in the insurance world with what you're doing so that you can grow better when you're out of this two-year non-compete period. You know what's interesting about this, Joe? Rick? I just I love this, what you're sharing. I know, I know lots of people that w have been in that same situation. And so this is really great for people to hear. You know what I love about this story is you weren't, you weren't itching to be an entrepreneur per se. You were just trying to be... Um, at this point, you were just trying to do your best at, in a job and, and, and uh, um, contribute to the company that you were in. You were trying to raise the rank, trying to make more money, trying to be just trying to be successful in the world of work. Right. Yeah. Well, the, well, the other the other company I own, we were 50 50 owners. OK. Yeah. An, entrepreneurship, an entrepreneurship venture. True. OK. And I yeah. thought that was going to be my catalyst to my great success. And right. it was it, it wasn't the right fit. And admitting that, because it wasn't just the pain of having to tell him and having a conflict, it was admitting to myself that this was the wrong path. And this yeah. is not going to be the springboard that leads me there. But it's interesting is that 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 actually sort of tightened the springs for me. And I didn't know it. It mm. just felt painful. Anytime we tighten those springs and have to step back doesn't mean it's a failure. It means that it's a pivot and pivots can be really hard and really painful, especially if you're, you're afraid to take them. And so I had to pivot. And because I had that non-compete and I couldn't do what I was doing, which was my passion, I really loved what I was doing. Um, and going to work for a carrier, I didn't realize that that was going to be the amount of knowledge and the experience that was going to send me into the stratosphere in the next venture. 
And that's what happened when I went to Humana and worked for them was I had a great opportunity. I met some amazing people there. And, and I mentioned Aaron Kessinger, who helped me make that decision. Aaron is the president of Care Valet today. He mm. is he's my best friend, and he's the guy who literally just uh, um, finally came to work for me a year and a half ago and is now helping launch this into to the next uh, phase. But we can, Well, we can... with, with that, hey, with that, let's take a, a quick break and let's talk about, um, let's talk about Care, Care Valet. And because okay. uh, I happen to have the little, the, uh, the executive summary right here, my friend. Oh, and, uh, but I think this is, um, are you able to see the executive team uh, one right here, Joe? The one that uh, with you and uh, Aaron, you can see both, right? Um, Absolutely. Let's take a, a quick um, time out here and talk about Care Valet. And so this is your current, the current company you and Aaron are running today. Talk about it. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's interesting. So Aaron, um, uh, well, before Aaron came around, I, I started um, in the last company I own, Inetica, which we haven't talked about yet, I realized that consumers were not at the forefront of healthcare. And that really, my opinion is that anyone who needs healthcare needs to be in control of those decisions, but they need a level of guidance around that. So I like to give that, you know, guidance around choosing healthcare, healthcare and, and the services that you need. So what I want to do is create an app or a web version, a digital healthcare platform that connected consumers or patients with their doctors. And we get everyone else out of the way. And in doing that, the goal is to help them find the doctors that have the best cost and quality, the best type of provider they need, and get them connected to those, um, to those providers of care so that they can begin getting the services and treatments they need. What's interesting is we found that we put telemedicine in the front of, of that finding those doctors and a telemedicine physician can help you triage that. We also learned that 60, 60 to 70% of urgency and emergency room visits can be handled by a telemedicine doctor. So by getting nice. a telemedicine provider at the front end, we can help get some decisions made and possibly a resolution. Awesome. And, and so then, you know, connecting those networks of your own doctors and hospitals so that you can schedule an appointment right on. It's, it it's be beautiful. It's, it's simple, simple. And it's, and it's, uh, everybody, it's like a, duh, uh, you know, obvious thing that we all need. And what took, what took the world so long to have an app like Care Valet? Um, and so what's, but what's kind of a cool uh, turn here is it, but your partner, you know, Aaron, uh, you met him, um, back at Humana. So it's interesting too, for folks that listen, aspiring entrepreneurs who are listening to the story, the people that you meet mid career, um, can often circle back to be business partners and people that are that that you partner with. Whether you know almost all the famous partnerships we know of, you know Jobs and Wozniak and so forth and so on. Um, they met in industry and found out that they had a lot in common and a lot of uh, like mindedness, and ultimately can swing back together and uh, and be partners. Yeah, you know it, it, what's fascinating about this is that I, I don't know anyone that is the entrepreneur, and that's just them, they're, they're it. they all, they run the whole show all by themselves that has had any great level of success. The, the most important thing about being an entrepreneur is knowing what your deficits are and hiring for them. But hiring someone that has the passion to do what, what 
their space to operate in their space and in their their lane and to do some amazingly tremendous things and give you the ability to keep moving the company forward and and that's that's the role that aaron has you know it's really exciting is to see aaron having worked at humana for over 20 years and help them in so many different roles grow and he was successful in every single one of those things um and uh and then now to see him he, he moved out went to work for a company called grand rounds which is a second medical opinion company was doing amazing things in California for them before he came um, here to work with us. And it's it's really great to see where, you know, Aaron picks up on a lot of the things. He has skill sets that I don't have and they're amazing strengths. And you know what? He always reminds me to get out of his lane. <laughs> how does he how does he say it? What, what's the what, give me a give me an impersonation of, of Aaron when he's when he gives you the message? <laughs> what is, how does it go? Does it go like Joe? Today, today he goes, I have a meeting, and he goes, I can't talk to you right now. I have a meeting. Oh, who do you have a meeting with? Don't worry about it. I've got this handled. I'll tell you about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. That's your. The don't worry about it is the message, right? Okay. So then, I, of course, he's dropped around the corner. Yeah, then was, you're like, he... and I realized that. It was he had a total control over what was happening. I, I didn't right. really just spending my time doing that. It's and, tough, uh, for, but that is tough. And he managed it, you know. That is like maybe the one of the toughest things that an, a true entrepreneur has, isn't it? Because entrepreneurs, but their wiring typically is very uh, type A, typically, or very controlling, typically, or very uh, perfectionist, typically. They're they're used to being the champion of most situations. I mean, it's a self made person a lot of times there's so much that goes into that and that's usually what gets the thing off the ground i mean you you know gets it to a point and then to be able to then then when you need to add someone or even in the beginning um to be able to share that it goes against the grain of most entrepreneurs so it's not something that comes easy or natural am i right joe am i right about that right you have to work at it you have to work at it right no no, you do Let, let, let me tell you nothing drops in your lap there there are no miracles when it comes to this there's opportunities that present themselves if you open your heart, your mind, and, and your trust in that. Miracles happen to those who are ready to receive them. So you lay out the groundwork and you lay out that you work hard every day, you make that happen and you open the playing field. And that's when things begin to drop in because people recognize the effort. And that's the gift that we're given is if we work hard at what we do, we listen we hear, we pivot, we change when things get tight or they get difficult um, and keep forging ahead. That's important. Keep forging ahead. Um, you know, it, 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 things will begin to play out and they'll happen. But but it'll only happen if you're listening and you're right. pivoting. Got it. And uh, and then this idea of sharing your space with someone else and and and, and having roles and, and respecting each other's roles is like... Um, part that you know that you were you were explaining earlier that you and Aaron have so let's um let's jump up to the uh you know you you were Humana to a certain point and how did you end up leaving Humana Mm. so um so I was had taken a role in Puerto Rico for Humana as business sounds terrible it was horrible sounds horrible Never, never go there. The beaches are just no, are you kidding? That's, it was hard, it was a hard place to leave. Oh my god! <laughs> amazing beaches. Amazing making probably people. probably making you're probably, probably making six figures working in Puerto Rico or something crazy like this, right? Something along those lines. It was good, as they say. It was very good. <laughs> Puerto Rico was very good to me. Gracias, Gracias. Puerto Rico. Oh yeah, I got to get the crown in there. Yeah. Can we get a toast? Alan, give me a toast here. 
I need a cheers. I need everybody who's watching. Give us a cheers too. Cheers yeah, to absolutely. You. Cheers, everybody. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, cool. Absolutely. So, so after so after I left Humana in Puerto Rico, I, it, my two year non compete was up, and I started a company called Inetico, and um, and we got that and had it going and growing. Um, I ran it for fifteen years. Hey, Joe, wait a minute. You started by yourself on that, right? I did. It was I, I had. So, well, here, here's the thing. This is where people kind of, I don't know, that's, this is the good <laughs> stuff now. I myself or were there people? And and this is the beautiful thing. It, it's, this is where you know that when you open your heart and you share your goals, what happens? And there are beautiful people that come out of the woodwork to support you. And and so a few a few really quick stories here. No, I, this I, is this is the part I've been waiting for. We got to yeah. we got to tell these stories right here. This is incredible. Yeah. So um, I had thirty five hundred dollars in my pocket, and I literally had just enough to keep the lights on. And I rented this building for eighteen hundred dollars. I had um, one my first client, which was a significant client, that signed the contract before I opened the company. They had put that much faith in me, but they told me I had to be up and running in 30 days or they were going to pull the contract. Hmm. So that knowing that revenue stream was going to be there and come in, I, I got myself going. You know, I had the first client, had a second client right after that. Come on. And so I had a small revenue stream. That small revenue stream, by the way, grew from about five thousand dollars a month to several hundred thousand dollars a month. Um, over a 15 year period uh, because we solved so many challenges for them. But I, I couldn't have known that. And I, I was so afraid of you know, uh, running out of money that I lived in the closet of this office. So one of the places I would go, I went to this Chinese restaurant called Ho Ho's Chinese Restaurant here in, in Tampa. And um, it was uh, in a place on Howard Avenue. And uh, I walk in and I meet this gentleman named Victor Leone that owned the restaurant. And I was getting a to-go order that my sister had bought for me. <laughs> and, uh, um, and, uh, and he just started asking me questions about myself. I've never seen you here before. What's your name? Da, da, da. And so I told him, you know, he asked me, you know, what are you doing? I told him, well, I just started a company. I just moved back here from Puerto Rico. And, and he, said, uh, he said, wow, he goes, that's amazing. He goes, you know, my family moved here from China. And he started telling me his story and how people helped them, help them get their first restaurant, help them, you know, buy their first, you know, uh, uh, food orders to serve food to their customers. And he said, if it weren't for the people that helped us, we would have never had that. And he goes, so this is what I'm going to do for you. He goes, I want you to come to my restaurant every day and I'm going to feed you a meal a day. And he goes, so you have something to eat and you don't have to worry about paying for any food or, you know, uh, feeding yourself. He goes, that's what I can do for you. He goes, because I believe that you're going to succeed. And he said, the only thing I'm going to ask for you is that when you're successful, you bring your customers back here. And I was careful not to abuse that, but he called the manager and introduced me to her and, you know, got us connected. And, and you know, so I went, I went every day. I, I ate there and he <laughs> became a wonderful, wonderful friend. And, um, wow. uh, and I did, I, I, I did, I, did. I, I, I became successful. I brought people back, but there, there's more to that story. There was another person, a friend of mine named uh, Robert Morgan, who uh, Robert was so absolutely amazing. And Robert had a, a church um, here, but he was also, besides having his church in, uh, which I think was called the Potter's House uh, on uh, Kennedy, he um, also was a flight attendant for Southwest. 
And he had just recently gotten divorced and he had two boys that were very young. And he said, look, I don't have anyone to share my companion fair with. Would it be helpful if I just signed you up as my companion so that you could use um, my companion fair to fly anywhere on standby that Southwest flies? Would that help you get to your customers to get your company off the ground? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and um, your and, clients, your clients were around the country, the right? Your prospects. Yeah. My prospects were around the company, around the country. And so it was amazing. And then, so I talked to my friends and my partner, Steve Armstrong, you know, was traveling around doing uh, work for Iron Mountain. So I find out where he was and I'd be like, Hey, can I stay in your hotel room? <laughs> and, and uh, you know, where are you going to be this week? Oh, Houston. Oh, Philadelphia. Oh, you know, you know, wow. Dallas. And so I would travel and stay in the hotel. So I had a place to stay when I got there and it worked out. You were the hobo. You were the hobo entrepreneur. <laughs> I, I should have had a stick with the little, uh, you know, <laughs> my bundle of clothes in the back because I really didn't have much at that time. You, I'm going to title this, this whole, this whole podcast, the hobo entrepreneur. That's what the new title of this whole <laughs> exactly, thing is, exactly. this episode. So the, it, but the, Joe, the generosity, the generosity, incredible, right? Um, that my big takeaway on that is I want to be the person that's being that generous. Like, yeah. and you know what I mean? Like in my life now and you know, like, because what a, the person that really got to benefit the most were those people that were actually helping you. You were helped obviously very tangibly, but imagine the reward they got. Not only did they get rewarded day before, before you were able to quote, pay them back, they got, they got to feel great at the time they were doing it, but then they got to be a part of your success. I mean, that they were the real winners. The generosity is the people that are the doing the giving and being generous to the real winners in those situations. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and, and it's great, you know, and, and, and they're people who I respect and love for, you know, for the things that they gave and cause they didn't have to, you know, and they could have just, you know, chalked me up to uh, another guy with a crazy dream, you know, but it was amazing to see. So I don't know enough people. I don't know enough people today. I need to know more to do things like that. You know, I just, <laughs> I think if, we just need more of that. Don't we, we need more right. of that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm going to tell you, you know, we, you know, we, we get carried away too with our positions on things and we forget to look at the people who, who really need or are asking for help because most people won't ask for help. I didn't walk in and say, Victor, can you feed me because I'm starting a business? You know, I didn't say, Robert, can you, you know, help me fly around the country? Would you give me your companion fare so I could fly around the country? All I did was share my story. And I had people who I wasn't necessarily aligned with in any other way, but who were passionate about being able to give something to help. And, and to them, this was a little thing for them, you know, and, and it was the, their hope, their greatest hope wasn't Victor's greatest hope wasn't that I would always be back with customers. It was to see me succeed. And I knew that in his heart that he was aligned with me because he had been where I was. Right. I knew from Robert's perspective, he believed in, he, he was, his faith in giving translated into helping me succeed in finding, you know, that path to, to right. bring people together and do good work for them, which, yeah. which all occurred. And, and, you know, it's, that's, mm. that's how we can give. We, we, we don't, and it's not a lot. Sometimes it's just the words of support, you know, yeah. to hear someone tell you, oh my God, I, I know you can do this. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for you. If you just need a beer with me, uh, you know, or a glass of wine, and and just let, lend me an ear. People need that too. They they yeah. need to know that you're willing to listen to them 
you oh. look at those things, you look at those things they were giving the generosity and they weren't, they weren't things that were costing them. It's not like they had to write you a check or had to like give up something valuable of them. And I don't, I don't mean to take anything away from their generosity. I'm actually saying with my message about this is find things. If you're in a, a more, uh, uh, more uh, fortuitous position, just find things, simple things in your life that you can, that you can give to someone that, that doesn't really, uh, that you're just, you have, and that you could easily part with and would be having a dramatic effect on the other person. It didn't really cost you anything. That's more, almost more powerful than you like giving them money or something of value, right? Yeah, I, no, definitely. So you're touching on a really important point is we forget sometimes what no we matter have. what our position is that we actually have something to offer and give. You know, it, it it doesn't have to be all of those tangible things. It's it's being there because sometimes we realize, hey, I, oh, actually, I, I can do this to help you, you know, or I can do this to help you. That's the beauty now of being a mentor at The Wave. So I love being there is that, you know, I can't solve all of your problems, but I may help you solve one thing that actually pushes you over a hump yeah. that gets you into the position to solve the next thing. That's right. And, and, and I love yeah. that. I, I love, I love being a mentor along those lines. Yeah. Your gift might be your time, but just like, look at this, you know, the food example and then the, the, the jump seat example, or, you know, like you, I know recently you were, you were doing some food drive stuff for folks with this uh, new um, virus situation and things that, that are just uh, relatively simple when we have a, we have abundance about something to be able to give to someone who uh, something simple, whether it be a ride to something or a letter of recommendation, something that doesn't really cost you anything, but can have a dramatic, a dramatic effect on the other. I think that's my favorite part of this whole, this whole story tonight is aspiring entrepreneurs out there almost always need help. And yeah. it and it doesn't and the and the first thing we think of shouldn't be giving them uh, writing them a check. Uh, yeah. It should be um, what else can I do that's actually more valuable that I can do for you. To your point about or making a connection, making an introduction again, but those are valuable, right? Connecting them to somebody else, or yeah. if you have some kind, if you do something in your in your life that you can you can provide someone, I don't know, something that like these examples you gave it's such a, it's a more touching thing and it's a more impactful thing. These stories stay with them the rest of their life. And then, and then the whole pay it forward, you know, money doesn't really pay forward. Does it the way generosity does on these other levels? Yeah, no, it, it's very true. We, we forget the cash pretty quickly, but we remember the gestures Yeah, and, and the gestures are significant and, and very important. So I love that, I, man. Yeah, I love that. That's my favorite part of this whole story tonight. Just reminds it's actually my personal, I'm taking it in as like, okay, Alan, you should use a few things. You should be looking for opportunities to do things like this for others yourself. Um, okay. So you, you, you went on and one of the, you went on to build a, a, a great, so this is really how Anetico uh, started. These are the humble uh, shoestring shoe. I emphasize shoestring beginnings of Anetico. I mean, like literally yeah, like, it. You shoot, and 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 then to think then what you built. How what did your employee count get to at the end when you sold it? Yeah, we had uh, I think we were fifty three or sixty three employees when we yeah. sold, and, and uh, revenues were in the millions. Yep, yeah, they were and, they were doing very well. Yep. So um, wow, I mean those, that's what's amazing about that story is that literally if people weren't helping you and if you didn't 
have all those things kind of aligned just right, including that first client that, you know, that gave you the revenue stream to kind of like prop it up, um, it wouldn't have come to be. Yeah. And, and my first client was with me through that entire 15 year period, you know, and it, it's, it's amazing because they, they had faith in my ability to help solve their challenges. And that was the most beautiful thing is that they, they put a lot of trust and faith in me all along the path. And, and I delivered them the best possible way that I could, you know, and, and, and many times exceeded their expectations. And that's, uh, Joe, and that's another thing I'm getting off this story is not only people, stakeholders, friends and family that, you know, believe in you or the people that want to help, but you, you put another uh, point on this, the clients, your cust your first customers, ultimately, because they're giving you the business, be their business because um, they believe in you and they also see a potential, right? A lot of, I remember my first clients when I started companies, they, they were, they were kind of, they were kind of pity, kind of, pity is the wrong word, but they, they were, they were giving me that business because they wanted to support me and they wanted, they just believed in me and they wanted to see me do something special. And, you know, and, and, and even though they knew that, that giving it to the incumbent, the business to the incumbent was probably the better business decision. Right. 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 right? But like, so I think, I think that's my big thing that I'm boiling out of this that I would give to aspiring entrepreneurs or new entrepreneurs is the power of, of, of being authentic and being true to what you're selling and delivering and being transparent to the point where people feel connected and they believe in you. And this not, this works on, on both sides uh, with friends, family, investors, but also with customers. Like that is the secret sauce, isn't it? To starting a business, isn't it really? Yeah, yeah no, it, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's reaching out and telling your story and, and taking business where it comes to you. You know, it's, it should flow, but it doesn't mean there's no effort. It means you need to talk to a whole lot of people and share your story constantly. If you're not sharing your story with 10 people a day, you're not going to succeed. You have to share it over and over. And, and those people are strangers in many cases. But you should exhaust all of your friends first because they're the best practice. <laughs> and many times they're going to be honest with you. And sometimes they're going to smile and nod their head and be going, Oh Lord, you're in a world of trouble. <laughs> no, you got to get good at reading faces. <laughs> exactly. They're listening to you, but you're listening to yourself, you know, and that, that that's more important. You have to hear yourself tell your story because you need to know that you believe in what you're talking about. And you need to know from your heart of hearts that if the going got really, really tough, that that little fire, that little spark that is, is instilled in you is going to, burn up into some major flames and, and keep you really ignited on the toughest times. So, right. you know, it's, it's important to do that. Can, I don't know how much time we have, but I, I'd love to share something that- Yeah, I, we got about 10 minutes. Let's do it. Oh, cool. Because, you know, when I go back, back to 1998, um, and when I was working for the third party administrator, which was Roby Barber Insurance Services here in Tampa, um, great, great company. And Tim Barber was just an amazing owner. Um, I was so afraid to take that leap to start my own company. And, you know, while I had worked and did the magazine, that was someone's magazine that owned it. While I became publisher and editor, somebody else had the really tough risk there. You know, I was able to sell, succeed and grow and do all of that. And it, it you know, taught me entrepreneurship skills. 
But I'll never forget in 1996 on December 24th, I was incredibly depressed and I was sitting at home and I was um, watching late night television. It was after midnight. The next morning I was going to have to go drive to my family, uh, my family's home for Christmas. And I'll never forget that, you know what happened? You know what came on at late night on the, what, three channels we had? I don't think we, I, I didn't have cable box back then, but it was, uh, but um, remember what came on really late at night? Infomercials. Infomercials. And one of those infomercials was Tony Robbins. Okay. <laughs> I'm so glad you went there because that was going to be my final question to you was your Tony Robbins uh, stuff. Mm -hmm. So good. Perfect. Yeah, it was. Uh, and and that infomercial was personal power. And I'll never forget, there was this blonde woman sitting there, you know, sitting there doing her interview with her head off to the side like this because it was all me telling a story about myself and like a main interview, but really the camera's right there. And, <laughs> and she was sharing that, you know, she was so afraid to take it and she finally took the leap and did it. And I was so lost in, you know, my own pain that, you know, I, I was like, I, I needed something. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to bite the bullet and I'm going to order this damn Tony Robbins stuff. And I've heard all these things. It's, it was 200 bucks, I think, for personal power, too. And it was a, a booklet and a series of 30 cassettes. And I ordered these things. And four to six, six weeks later, as promised, they arrived at my doorstep. And I started going. I was at the time was working in the nursing home. Um, and I was driving and, um, uh, and working the nurse was yeah, the, between the nursing home and the, um, uh, and Roby Barber, it was the right in that transition. And, um, and I started listening to these tapes. Well, I got four tapes in before I quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> and, but this is what was really neat about those, about those personal power two tapes is it got to a point and it said, I want you to know something. And, you know, Tony said, I want you to know something about fear. And he said, fear is something that you have never addressed and you don't know the answer to, but you're so afraid of it that you think that if you address it, you're going to lose, you're going to lose everything. You're going to be judged. You're going to be thought less of. And he goes, so I want you to write down three things that you really, really want, that you want to do, or that you must do in your life to move forward. And I had my three things and I wrote them down. And he said, now I want you to write the pros to addressing this fear and the cons. I want you to write what will happen in your life if you address each one of these fears. So three things to address each one of these fears. And what's the benefit that will happen to that? Now I want you to write down the three worst possible things that could happen once you address those three goals. And I wrote them down and I remember looking and they were painful. I, they brought tears and, and brokenhearted remembrances, remembrances for me and fears like the fears. I, I didn't realize how intense they were. And then he said something that changed everything for me. And he goes, I want you to think of the person that you're closest to and that you love the most that you could trust with any secret and no matter what you tell them, they would be there for you. And he goes, just write their name down. I want you to write their name down. And I wrote my sister Julie's name down and he goes, I'm glad that you shared that with me. And he goes, now 
I want you to go tell her your three dreams and your three greatest fears to each one of them. Don't turn the page. Don't listen to the tape. Don't do another thing until you go and talk to that person. And I turned the tape off and I didn't do anything for three months. <laughs> I was terrified. I, 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 and, and what was significant about that is I had no idea how impactful the, these fears were. And it made me think about them over and over and over. And I finally told her. And then after I told my sister what my three things were, I didn't do anything for three more months. <laughs> Until one day I realized that I shared some really personal stuff with my sister that worried her. And I realized I left her in pain. I transferred my fear onto her because this was the person who was going to care for me no matter what, who was going to believe in me no matter what. And, and I, I didn't realize the power of telling someone. Because when you tell someone you love and you know will care for you, you've transferred the burden onto their shoulders. And then I realized that I had a greater responsibility to lift it. Mm. I had to lift it off of her shoulders and lift it off of mine and man up and get my stuff together and prove that I could be the master of my own future, that I could address really difficult things and move forward. Did and, and, I did. I went like, and I addressed the first two things. Go it ahead. seems like this unlocked. This seems like this is like an unlocking moment in your life. Is that right? It was massive. It, it was massive. And, and, and it opened me to the world of pain in other ways, but prepared me for it at the same time. There was no greater hurt that I could have done to anyone else other than to my sister in, in that case. And, um, and to, to realize I had to take and address that burden was so important. And I did, I addressed the first one. And after I addressed it, guess what? The thing that I thought was so horrible in my life that I lived in fear of was a lie. I told myself a lie that I lived with for 14 years. Wow. That I thought, I thought was, a destiny was a truth was something that was just a part of my DNA. Mm. And I found out it wasn't. And mm. it, it was the toughest thing to come to that realization. And I, I realized at that moment I had to go tell my sister, Oh my God, I addressed this fear and it wasn't. And I went, I drove to her house. I'll never forget. It was at lunchtime and she was making ham sandwiches and she was cutting the ham. And I told her, and uh, it was something related to my health. And I told her that what I found out was, you know, that, that I was okay, you know, and everything. And I remember her not looking up and still cutting the ham sandwiches because at first she thought that I had said the opposite. And then when I repeated myself to her, it, she dropped the knife and started crying and came and hugged me. And that was when I realized that, that the burden that I put on her was nearly too heavy for her to handle. Mm. And that's the importance of knowing who you love and knowing who you can trust and care for in your life and how important it is to share with them and how important it is to relieve their burden. Yeah. Because while it was heavy on my shoulders, I can't imagine the weight that she carried for the fear of my life 
in that moment. You know, Joe, that was a great story. And in my, the one, my last, my last guest I had, or two guests back, talked about the tapes. Uh, they used the quote, "The tapes that we have in our head, the tapes that play in our heads." And uh, and you had some tapes running in your head that weren't true and were leading to all kinds of bad things. And uh, so, um, everybody, there's listening. Let's see some heart emojis for that uh, story. For George, Joe just poured his heart out in that story. Let's see him. I'm gonna throw a couple out there. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. It made so, me. Uh, so I'm gonna just make it really short. Yeah. After I did that, I didn't realize that moment out of the three goals was the most significant. My other one was to start my company. And I realized, shit, if I could have gotten through that, starting a company, that, that can't be that difficult. And uh, and I literally just, um, I, I literally just went in, gave my resignation and decided to start that first company. And it, it it, it it catalyzed my life in a very completely unlocking. That whole thing was completely unlocking. And Tony Robbins was a big part of that. Um, two things before we go. Number one, uh, we've, we've got a special request here. Someone is insisting upon you talking about the, the jumping into the shark breeding waters uh, with the Tony Robbins story. So well, let's yeah. finish on a great Tony Robbins story because you traveled the world with Tony Robbins in a small yeah. group. Uh, yeah. And I think that's tied into this. So let's 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 do that and we'll wrap it up. Yeah, I, I'm going to say if you want to meet some of the most amazing people in the world, go to go to a Tony Robbins event. I, you know, it's I, the one thing I love is is I love to visit with Tony. And I love to visit with the people that Tony has been able to pull together. Um, some of the most beautiful and amazing people that I've met from around the world uh, were part of his platinum partnership. And I decided to do that for a year, which was just so incredible. Um, so one of these events, we were in Fiji and it was, uh, yeah, it was business mastery two, And so it's business mastery two is what he does with his platinum partners. And, um, and so after days of being in this room where you're up early in the morning, you're in till two at night, just every day after day after day, he gets done and we're all exhausted and ready for bed. I think it's one in the morning at this point. And he says, all right. Um, he goes, you're going to walk outside of our hut here and there's a bunch of wetsuits and I want you to go put them on and uh, you're going to get on a bus and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen when we get there. So we go and we figure out what size wetsuit. We're all exhausted. We're like, oh my God. So we get on this bus and we drive for 45 minutes in the pitch dark in Fiji on this island, bouncing all over the place. And he, uh, we, we get to this place and he goes, get out of the, uh, the buses and follow me. And we have like four or five buses full of people. In. And he takes us onto this bridge and it, the bridge is dilapidated. It's got like holes in it and it's broken apart. And, um, and you hear this rush of water going. And he goes, 30 feet below you is a river that is being fed by the ocean. Um, because of the tide change. So the tide is coming up and this river is coming in and it goes down a few miles and it ends up in a lake. And he goes, this bridge is 30 feet, this river is 30 feet below this bridge. He goes, grab a partner and you're going to take their hand and you're going to jump in uh, to the thing. <laughs> he goes, now there's a few important things that you need to know. He goes, this is where the sharks come in to breed at night. 
And he goes, and you're going to swim with them. And he goes, and the second thing is, is the mangroves, they're all mangroves along the side of this river. He goes, do not leave the center of the river or you can get tangled in mangroves and drown. And this river is rushing, you know? And so he goes, so grab your partner and then I'm going to meet you in the middle of the lake when you get uh, uh, down after you travel these few miles. So he goes, grab a partner and grab their hand and jump in. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking about right now? I'm thinking about Ahmad who asked for this. I think he would have he would have jumped right in with you on this one. Oh yeah. So it took me a second, but I did. I was like, you know, it's I think I told you the title of my autobiography is gonna be I'm not dead yet, but I sure am trying. <laughs> this was one of those moments. And uh, so literally I my buddy was a guy um named Mike Pacman. He's a financial guy out of New York. Very sort of rigid guy, you know, tough guy. So I grab his hand and we look at each other. We're like, holy crap. And we jump into the river and we literally go underwater and you come up and go, oh, oh my God, where are the mangroves? Where are the mangroves? Get in the center, get in the center. And then you're gone. And then after floating down the river a little bit, then you realize there's a stream of people with you. A hundred people are now in this stream. And then we start having fun and diving underneath and pretending we're shark biting each other's legs. And we get to the middle of this lake. And it's so peaceful. We look up and there's so many stars in their skies. There, there's no unnatural light impeding anything. And I had never seen so many stars in my life and it was so beautiful. And there was a big um, inflatable trampoline in the center of this lake. And everybody sort of gathered up on top of that. And, you know, and, and Tony talked to us about really defeating our fears and realizing that we're gonna come across many of them in our lives but they're only as great as we imagine them to be. The truth is they're either real or they're not real. Any one of us could have gotten bit by a shark. Any one of us could have gotten tangled in the mangroves, but we know how to pivot. We know how to navigate in our lives and we don't give ourselves credit enough for those skills. And that's really important. We don't realize that we have a natural ability to navigate the most difficult situations. That's right. I would I would argue I would argue that humans we, we actually uh, are at our best when we are under Absolutely. those kinds of of those situations right we, we are our most alive when we're in those situations and that's that that is some of the best stuff that I took from that 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 were great life lessons um, out of there and and you know and risk that you take and and to actually put them into physical form and to face <laughs> them you realize that gosh it's it's amazing. And, and those, you have to remember, those are important exercises. This is why when we have friends, you know, like I have a group of friends that we go and run Ragnars together and they're 200 mile races and there's 12 of us and we have to run 200 miles in 24 hours. And we do this together, not because this is the most physically, most awesome, wonderful thing. It's painful. It's horrible. But feel the most we, alive. we can have that feeling of accomplishment when we finish. You know, when I look at our, our, our friends, you know, um, uh, Edgar and Kathleen Sailings and Aaron, you know, and Steve, my partner, Steve, and, and uh, um, you know, and oh my God, Karen and Kathy and Julia and, and all of these people that we go and do these races with. It's so much fun to go and have this experience together. And then we usually take a week wherever we went, end up um, at the end of that race. You know, we did the, uh, we did the Ragnar in Hawaii, which was on the Ironman course, really difficult. 
And then we spent a week in Maui together to celebrate our success. And, and that's the most important thing. When you face a challenge, whether you intentionally create it or whether you find yourself there and you address it, you always need to celebrate and celebrate with those people that helped get you there because those are the people that are going to be around you and ensure that you take those next steps and give you the confidence to do so. So Hodges, so, man, that is some next level stuff. I'm, I'm going to, we're going to go out on that note right there because I think that's powerful. A lot of people, I think that what I like about that story you told is that not many people have, were able to reach the heights that you were able to reach in terms of, um, I just want to call it, uh, you know, freedom, the, the the kind of freedom and wealth and freedom. And I talk about wealth and freedom in my book, meaning you, you've got to be able to, uh, you've got to be able to um, be financially successful enough. A lot of, I'm not trying to say you can't create those situations without it. Don't get me wrong, but I'm, I'm putting it out there as a positive and as an aspirational thing to say, Hey, people that are, are thinking about entrepreneurship, there is, uh, there is, there's all of the normal things you would think about entrepreneurship that are available and, you know, self-actualization and, and potentially making money and so forth. But at the end, the, to be able to create uh, an opportunity to go be with, you know, go on a, on a retreat with Tony Robbins or to go get the freedom to go to Fiji and go to go like have next level experiences in your life is I think is one of the biggest motivations people should have for entrepreneurship. Honestly, I really do. i really do to be able to, um, to be able to go go have amazing experiences in their lives and not be beholden, honestly, to a bad boss or a bad work culture or a bad company. And your vacations there are just decompressing, but to literally to be centered in the universe and to go have that experience and then come back to your company and, and be able to make lives better, like employees and people that rely upon you and to be able to have that, I think is the biggest reward of entrepreneurship. And you kind of like did it, man. You kind of did it. Yeah. You know, here, here's one thing is if you have a bad boss, if you feel like you have a bad job, that's not your boss's problem and it's not your job problem. It's your problem. And you're the only one that can fix it. So I'd like to just say, you know, fortunately, this is being recorded. So go back and listen to what I talked about, about addressing your fears and how to do it. Um, I, I was taught a very important lesson there. And go back, write them down and share the pros and cons with somebody that you love and you trust more than anything and give them that burden because you're going to realize soon enough that you have got to relieve them of it and yourself of it. It's awesome. This, this is powerful. Go back and listen to that part, especially if you're stuck at how to go forward. You know, it's, it's a really good exercise and you know what? It's an important exercise to do many times in your lives because you don't ever learn something and you learn it all. You got to keep educating and pushing yourself. You all know what, Joe, I used to, I used to take you very seriously with, things that you've said and, and with so much respect, but, but now, um, now that you're a Dr. Hodges, it's like <laughs> another level. <laughs> it's like, that, it's like another level. It's like, uh, now it's like somehow it's got an extra impact. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't, I can't cure your ills, but I, I, I can cure your state of mind. So. Well, cool. Hey, we're going to sign off here. If anybody wants to throw some extra emojis onto the Facebook Live, that'd be awesome. Ron Clark says, thanks for sharing your stories, Dr. Hodges. Uh, uh, Thank Yeah, I want to read off some of these. Edgar says, so much fun. Guys, we appreciate everybody. Vikas is on there watching. Mary Beth. Uh, Mary Beth said that you, Joe Hodges changed her life. Uh, so, um, And you've been a great mentor. So that's amazing. Um and then, uh, of course, Ahmad loves the shark story. So we got that out there. 
and uh you know and that's that's really great and then um just more just more comments about and andrea says good day you're doing a great job good day i guess maybe australian right uh, maybe um, well, andrea, yeah she's in australia so yeah andrea, andrea was our our child's nanny and a beautiful mentor to our child so wonderful yeah. so thank you everybody for all these comments and thanks for all the cool emojis and um, we're going to sign off here. This is going to be, this is recorded. It's going to be on YouTube in a few days. And if you subscribe, if you subscribe to plan your start, uh, go to uh, YouTube and subscribe to plan your start. Um, you can, you'll be notified when, um, uh, when this video posts in a few days called plan your start, all of, you know, like startups, plan your and start on YouTube. And don't forget to go onto Amazon right after this thing is over and get your quit to start book um, by Alan Curry. I, and he will autograph that for you. And if you want an yeah. autograph, get it to me, I'll get it to him or we'll, we'll get together. And uh, as soon as this lightens up here, we're gonna, we're gonna get together and, and have a drink together. And Alan will sign for all of you. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate you. Thanks for being on my show and I can't wait till next time. Okay. Hey. And next time, hey, and next time we'll do a serious. Next time we'll do a serious show. All this goofing off, man, is just bad for my brand. Okay. Mm. <laughs> hey, it's time for a fiesta, my friend. <laughs> okay, you've been Cheers. great. All right, we're signing off. Bye bye. Bye bye. Ciao.